remember when all humor was in like the fucking mid aughts was just like your chin should have a fist and you're a man if you something a bear and I don't fucking know. Oh my god, the, the Spike T era, oh god, yeah. that's when humanity peaked. That was the Spike end. TV and that was yes, it. as soon as Maxim Magazine and Spike TV folded up shop, that is truly when the end of history began. It was not the fall of the Soviet Union. That's a common misconception. I wish we could still celebrate women in bikinis doing everything. They, what are you talking about? That is truly how, that's what we celebrate. All right. Do you, do you know what I mean? Do you want some bitters? Yeah, sure, whatever. All right. A little shot of bitters in the nickel. Yeah, it's funny. It, it, it's funny that you laugh, you asked about the drinking just first because like those guys in the studio, like just yesterday at, at lunchtime, the girl goes, "We just need ciders to finish this job," and I'm like, <laughs> "Okay." Oh my, so I have I have not worked on very many film sets, but when I was in in high school, my I went to like an art film high school thing. It was kind of bullshit, but it was amazing. Uh, I did this thing called the 48-hour film festival. Oh, yeah, of course. You're familiar with this? Yes. What, what happened was is we went to this bar and I was like 16, but I was allowed in the bar because there was a thing going on and no one really noticed. And what they did was there's all these different you know, production crews and oh, yeah, cheers, everybody. Oh, cheers! Yeah, to, to bikini-clad women jumping in the air. Um, anyway... <laughs> So, on trampolines. Yes. Uh, they give every one of these film crews, you have a prop, a line of dialogue, a genre, and I think a character. And off you go. You need to be back at the same bar in 48 hours with a movie. That and I was like, fun. it was awesome. Wait, I was, recording? Are we recording? Yes. Shit. So, <laughs> so, so I was a little 16-year-old piece of shit doing this why, thing. Why is that and, bad? <laughs> And they have me fucking like, and this is back when, this is before Four Loco, but they had this drink called Sparks. And my God, it was like orange soda with alcohol in it. And they were feeding me Sparks, this little kid, and having me climb up fucking ladders, hanging shit. And it it was the coolest fucking like weekend of my life. I didn't sleep for like 30 hours until they went into post production and I was like done. It was so much fun. Well. I was on one. I never did one, but all when we were all film students, we all did the 48 Film Festival because oh, you didn't so have access to equipment, and like yeah. it made it real easy just to get stuff and you do that. It was such it was such a fun thing to see or participate in. Uh, I never again. I never made one, but I participated. And I was yeah, and I, I, and I, I love that. It. I I, I, I think they grunt. still do it. I think they still do it, but with the. Uh, access of equipment uh the accessibility of it like i, I want to see more of that and i'd be yeah. really happy to see that of uh, that stuff you know in philly they've got the film society is now doing something called because i was looking it up called the philadelphia local showcase where they're letting people and i think it's kind of like q a's for local filmmakers one of my former students is showing something they shot over the summer so i'm going to see and check it out i hope that's good because i think that we need those avenues for for people just to like everybody has access to a camera. So go make a camera, like go make your little thing on your iPhone and it'll be just as good as anything else. And then screen it wherever at that, at that. There's also something in Philly called rough cuts where you go show uh, a rough cut or whatever. And, and, and I've been there. Uh, One of my other professors has been there and he's, he, he's just made Sundance films. So you have real people there looking at this stuff, participating in it. And I think that is a great avenue for everyone to get started. And it's, it's super, uh, again, because nobody has access to make Marvel films. What's, these what's things, crazy so is great. that, like, growing up, I had so much access 
to make movies. Like I had a video camera. I had a Canon GL1 that my parents got me for my birthday one year. Those were good cameras at I the fucking, time. Oh my god, I was you know king of the king of shit mountain when I was a kid. I would have tried to be your friend back then. I'd been like, oh my oh, god, hey you, hey yeah. Charles. So what I did was, <laughs> and I also had access to free labor because when you're a kid. All your friends are just like, are you kidding me? We got nothing to do. It's fucking Wednesday. Yeah, let's make a movie. I'll put on the trench coat. You hold the briefcase, and there's Cheerios in the thing, and it's like Pulp Fiction, but Cheerios. I don't fucking... I never seen Pulp Fiction when I was a kid. That's what I assumed it was about, and... I mean, I, I thought that making movies was easy as fuck because I did it all the time growing up. I went to some high school where they gave us fucking cameras and sent us on little field trips where we made little movies. And the day I turned 18 and moved out, moved to New York, was like had a script written called Cleanup Crew. And I was like, yo, I'm going to fucking make it. All my friends, I'm living with nine of my friends right now. We're going to make a movie. And I realized at the moment that you need the fucking work to live, no one's got time for you. Like the whole the whole dream like within three years was dead. I was like, I can't fucking make a movie. You know, it's just, it'll never happen because you need to have access to things that I thought that I had access to that I, cause I did my whole life. And then the moment I realized that I wasn't a child, it was gone. So I just, you know, now, move, now you just and, need an iPhone. Yeah. Now, now no more, <laughs> more, more stuff to talk to your therapist about since, <laughs> you're, since, since you're just a bitter, angry podcast. Person. All right. <laughs> Not all of us can be the boy wonder. Uh, no, none, none of us are. It's just, I, I like how you're, you phrase that stuff because it can still be done. All, I mean, I tell that to all my students. All my, effectively, the people I work with in the studio, we're all friends. We hang out. We, we drink together. And then sometimes we're able to get work where we pay. But we also still do a shit ton of stuff for fun uh, to do it. And some of us, and it's a, it's a weird place to be, but some of us can afford to do it. Like, I, I can not work for a couple of days and work on something else. But even the people like former students or people just starting that we have, they still do it. We, you know, you clarify, you're like, hey, you want to, we can't pay you. You don't want to do this thing. And it always turns out really well. And God, uh, almost all of them have gotten work from doing it. And I think that's the real benefit of doing it. So you should have been doing that. And if you did make those films when you were younger, why didn't you? Why why, why were you showing them? What's going on? You should have, isn't that what Steven Spielberg did? Isn't that what they all did? You you started off as the dream, man. I know. I didn't even have access to that. I had nothing I was, like that. I was making like a, a movie a week. You started off way better than I did. Yeah, but you went to film school. Yeah, but I, I don't think they wanted me there. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I really think I hit some kind of checkbox bo- check to get in. Like, I know I did in grad school. They told me specifically. They said all the work I did at WKDU as, as an audio engineer, they thought I was going to be a location sound person. And that's why I got into grad school. And I was like, no, motherfucker. I'm like every other loser and want to be a director. And they like roll their eyes and they're like, oh, we shouldn't let you in if you really wanted to be a director. We need a, we need an audio guy and you need to be yeah. an audio guy. <laughs> that's funny. Is, is the people... Uh, when I was in like film high school, there was like one absolute audio psycho. And he, like you had to be nice to him because he was the guy who knew how to set up the soundboard and like plug the fucking boom into the camera. And all I knew how to do was say like, "Listen, I need you to stand next to the locker and hold your breath for two minutes so I can get this vein popping out of your head." Like that was all I was good for. <laughs> you know what I mean? Was like getting people to show raw emotion. But like the the audio guy, you know, God bless him, he's so he's working. You know what I mean? Like, because he found like a niche thing. And, Yo, and that, that's that, that is the name of the game is like the moment you find a little area 
get fucking good at it. Holy cow. That's what I tell everybody now at this point. Like, Luckily, a lot of people aren't like, oh, I want to be a director anymore. They're kind of like, I like post-production. I hate being on set. Like, You get things like that. Yeah. Or I love being on set. And you're like, oh, great. We can do that. I mean, one of my best friends, John Paul, that's how we couldn't afford to make the, one of the first movies. And it was like $100,000. And they wanted to do all these big things. And we're like, we can't do any of this shit. So hope, maybe we can hopefully get people $100 a day. And so John Paul worked at the radio station with me and I was like, Hey, here are all my notes from literally here are all my notes from school and we can take some stuff from the radio station and then we can take some, we can buy some stuff that quote unquote would be rental. <laughs> and he's like, uh, okay, shit. And I was like, yeah, just pretend you're recording like someone singing and that'll be great. <laughs> and that's what he did. And now he's in LA. He's a professional. He's been doing it for years. There's lots of shows I'm sure you've seen that had him on it. He, Cause locally he did like animal cops and Amish mafia. And then, yo, what the fuck you think we're watching over here? <laughs> we're watching movies with people cutting what? titties off from Hong Kong. Wait, hang you on. Know? What the hell is Amish mafia? <laughs> yeah. This, you see, you see the algorithm, about, man. You I'm didn't know about that. Yeah. They, they, they literally just threw in the algorithm. They said Amish mafia. Make this show. Well, if it helps, he did do all the he's do, he did all the work for the films I produce. He did all the location audio, and in fact, he's so good at it that two of the movies we didn't do any ADR. It was all production audio, and that's unheard Whoa. of. It was that good. Like it was that good. So damn, I do are, ADR on this show all the time. When are you making another movie? We were talking about. I I actually I, I'll have it finished soon, but I wrote an erotic thriller, and I decided Hell that yeah. was I was like that's my next move. That's a quite the str- extreme from doing a super like superhero satire. But I was like, I really do think everything's so sexless. Sexless now, it should it's be done. The worst fucking thing about Hollywood is that like, there's no. I mean, like the, the the death of nudity for one in a movie. Like when I saw an R-rated movie, I expected like some some bullets flying. A couple fuck words and some titties, and like now it's it's you get none of that shit. Well, I, I got to tell you, the studios actually have it wrong on this one. All of my students are like want to watch these movies. They want to make things that have sex in them. They want, in fact, I like I have to now say it's okay to curse and it's okay to have nudity in these things because you are in college. You know this is okay. Yeah. And they're like, wait, and all of a sudden you start getting these things because. It doesn't exist. It's all been sanitized, yes. and and they want that. There's a there's a craving yeah. for it, but it's also like they it, they're not it, it. They want it on an artistic level that they're not getting. That more fine arts, like if you go to fine arts, you get sure. these things, and they want yes. this. They want this. They're craving this, and they keep talking about. It. So I'm like, let's do it. I, I also want to say this is going to make you cringe, but laugh. But we did that. We did the kids show for a couple months, and then. I, I was like, they need to really be rung through the ringer. So I contacted Bruce and was like, hey, oh. you want to, uh, I, 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 I'd love to work on your thing. And I brought three. So all of us have been on a kid's show. And then we do this gnarly horror Yeah, film. so Bruce is the co-director with Michael DeFrancesco, our, our last guest in the Sword and Sorcery movie, for the A Corpse for Christmas. I like that title. I uh, love A Corpse for Christmas. It's a great title. Great, great fucking title. title. It's going to look great on my CV. And the last one was uh, Blood Sick Psychosis. So you got these kids going from like Mr. Barney's Blimp Ride. I don't know what the TV show is you're working on. And they go from that to, I guess, necrophilia Christmas special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. And they love a the kid, the, the my student, former student, well, and I guess my coworkers. They all loved it. They loved being there. Uh, but also, you know, they saw how hard it is to do it. But also, like anybody can do it. Like I was like, these yeah, these guys are just like regular people. Like they didn't go to. They can do this, and it's like in really inspiring for them. They were like, oh my god, we can do it. So I was like, okay. 
So if I do, a, I was like, if I do an erotic thriller and you guys all like are involved in it, we'll make it for no, no money. Like whatever I have on a credit card, let's just make it for that. And they're like, I don't see why we can't make it a masterpiece after working on that. Yes. Like, and then they were also like, why did you spend so much on the kids show when you could have just been doing this the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh yeah, why are you uh, slaving away at this job? Because like, yes, while they are, you know, your coworkers, they haven't quite gotten that dose of reality that hits okay. when like, you know, you're... Wait, so I have a question related to this. So it's challenging to make some of this more erotic material and respect people's boundaries and especially treat women actors with respect and have them not feel exploited or tricked into things. But I've seen some horrifying headlines lately, like actors don't even want to kiss anymore. And so do you think there's a way to have cinema be more erotic again in a way that makes everyone feel comfortable and respected? Oh, absolutely. And, and again, I, 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 I don't want to take it from my perspective, you know, obviously being an older white dude. But like... No, but I uh, mean, you've worked with the, something we didn't really talk about on the last episode is like you've worked with a lot of different people, including, you know, people involved in burlesque and sure. Sure. We've, I, I really have run the gamut and I've worked on every kind of genre there is at this point. Um, we've done na I mean, neighbor does nasty things. What? You, you, have you, why have not seen my movies? I didn't oh, direct neighbors it. Neighbors is a movie. Yeah. Neighbors is called neighbor. And we, we have like genital mutilation in it. It's male. It's male. Uh, genital mutilation it's in what the uh, house of psychotic women right that's yeah it's in the book it's got a whole page i show it it's all i put it part of my cv i show it to all my students i'm like look i'm legitimate because i'm in a book that makes me <laughs> <laughs> and you're But no, on that I know how it feels to want 19 year olds to like you really bad. <laughs> I fucking know that feeling, man. I really do. That's not that's not it. It's I want you need you need to be like, hey, you're going to learn something from me because I've done this. Uh, but back to your point uh, is most of the people, most of my best students are, are women, non-binary or whatever, like not straight white dudes. And, so, and, and they want to make these things. And I feel like if they want to do it and there are people involved, uh, they, then they will be comfortable with it because they have to be comfortable with it. If they want, if A, they want to do it and they're interested in this, like, sure. Like I understand the stigma of straight, older, straight white dudes doing this because they're, I mean, audition's a good example of that. Like just the movie, the movie premise itself. The movie, oh, of audition. And, and then just yeah. the reality oh, yeah. of so movie producers I, in general. I read Lloyd Kaufman's book, uh, everything I learned about filmmaking that I learned from the toxic making the toxic Avenger or whatever it's called, what he would do in in an audition situation where he ha he's casting an actor who's got to dump their titties out in the movie. It's him, uh, another producer, and like two other like lady producer people that are involved. So it's like not just like a, a row of dudes. And in the audition, they got to dump their titties out. I think that's exploitative, but I, I that, like I would ne I would never have anybody in a casting session be like. I, yeah, I've I've actually heard even from people in the hardcore industry that if a producer asks you in a room to to take your tits out or get naked, that's an yeah. I'd be red like, flag. no, that's a red. Yeah, I I totally yeah. red flag that. I would I I would say, 
hey, this is here's the script. It's going to be a new day. I want to do full front of it. We're going to go the distance on this, yes. let's just say. But I'm going to put it in writing, and we're going to talk about it, and then we're going to put it in writing again, and then that's how it's going to be. Yeah. All of this stuff is about consent. Even even your exploitation of labor is about consent. Like, am well, I going to do this yes. thing? Are you okay with doing this thing? I'm going to do this thing, right? We can make really interesting erotic films. We can make really interesting violent films. My ex and I used to talk about this all the time, about how transgressive art and how you can't go there because in order to go there sometimes it is uh, you, you, it's very controversial and you could be exploitating you're going places that you, sh- you you're trying to make yourself and other people uncomfortable correct but as long as you've agreed to it in advance and you're consensual and you have like you don't need to have parameters you say this is what we're going to try to do this is the art we're going to try to make and we're going to do it and then go for it I think I think we're going to be start seeing a lot of that stuff again because people are having this conversation and there's a craving for it and we need it and that's also how we get good art. But what happens Agreed. when someone then halfway through shooting when the time comes to like there's a scene where they have to like you know dump their tits out and eat a baby and they're like you know I kind of don't think I want to do this anymore. It's it's funny but this is a plot line of the great Leslie Chung category three movie Viva Erotica where the in so in the plot of the film this amazing actress who is in uh, Millennium Mambo that oh the the Taiwanese lady yes she's She's awesome she's incredible um there's a scene where you know she's agreed to do this category three film which Leslie Chung as the director has agreed to make because he wants it as an opportunity to make quote-unquote real films and this this woman actor is there for the same reason is you know a producer's talked her into it the producer's giving her everything she wants and she's like you know what We've shot 80% of the film. I'm not doing any of these sex scenes. And part of this like comedic subplot is is Elvis Choi sort of like tricking her into it in a way that's gross yeah. but like kind of nice at the same time because you like you get to know the characters and you get to know their struggle as aspiring filmmakers. But I I feel like that that is a real issue that I think maybe happens more on bigger productions than it does. Like if you're going to say in 2023, I'm going to make this gross exploitation movie, you have to do nudity. There are these sex scenes. There's a baby eating scene. We might even hurt a dog. We might film a no, dog. No, let's not do any hurting. <clears throat> we're we're hurting the dog. I'm gonna we're go hurting the fucking I'm dog. I'm still going north on that. I, I don't think anyone's going to sign up for that now thinking that it's going to get them into a Marvel movie. I agree with that. I do think it's still a possibility. I, I don't know. It's also it why ha- you need a writer on set well, to, yeah, 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 yeah. to pivot you if know, somebody wants to change something. If you want to talk about writers, I, I should have brought this up in the other one, but uh, on Zeros, I had the writer there the whole time, and we had to re- rewrite scenes on the fly, and it was like the greatest joy, because we'd be like, okay, we can't do that scene there, we gotta do something else, and I'd be like, Rob, 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 come over here. We got to do this thing. He's like, there's a tennis court over there. Like, what if we just had them getting, we'll just shoot tennis balls at them and then they could say the lines over there. I don't know. I, I, I think the reason why the idea of like directors exploiting their workers, yes, it does bother me, but I see exploitation in every single job that I've had. Like every job that I've had, even the ones that I liked, like someone was getting rich off of me. Someone was getting the better of me. Maybe I saw this as a stepping stone to get a better job somewhere for my next resume to say, oh, hey, I was assistant manager at Sweet Ending Frozen Yogurt. You know, I don't fucking know. 
but sweet ending so, is so that the, really what it was oh, called? i love that <laughs> yeah, yeah that's where it was but uh it's very close to happy ending yeah I, I people said that to me all the time oh are you the sweet ending anyway um you I probably s- were though look at I you i was i was you I, have uh, such a pretty face <laughs> thank you anyway moral of the story uh so the people that are involved in these movies they are getting exploited you know in the same way that every single person is so at least at the end of the day there's a fucking cool movie coming out you yeah. know what i mean that like there there is like something to be proud of there's there's a thing that you can now be a part of that isn't just some shitty commodity i mean some movies feel like that but that is not the idea and so that's why like when someone is in a movie and the movie's fucking awesome and they're like yeah but you know, working on it, I got yelled at. And it's like, yeah, dude, that's what fucking jobs are like. They yeah, suck. I don't, I don't awful, know if I know? agree with this premise because I like, I do think sort of like Charles was talking about other Charles was talking about earlier. This, this Charles. Yes. <laughs> yes. Charles Smith. Not third. handsome Charles. You're, you're both handsome Charles, but like he was saying earlier, you know, I do think there are times when it's okay to work for free because you're excited about something or you like the people you're working with or you see where the project is going and you're aware that your labor will be unpaid. But I think to go into work in general with the idea that you're always going to be exploited and that's just part of the package is a terrible way to think about it because then you get taken advantage of I think of so more. too, Charles. No, I'm going to agree no, with Sam on this no, 100%, no. Charles, because you got to set up boundaries. I, I, I'm going to give you a couple examples. Firstly, we, we all, even yeah. when I started, I they were always like, hey, you can do this thing, but it's going to be free. Example. And you'd be like, uh, okay, uh, I do it. And then, uh, like, I may or may not get jobs from it. Secondly, setting up boundaries. Like, even in, even in any kind of exploitation film you set up boundaries a simple job i had way back in the day they'd be like oh you're paid x amount of dollars so you got to work on new year's and i'd be like no because i knew you're charging triple rate i'm not going to do it i'm happy and my response was always i'm happy to do it for double time and i would then they never give me the gig and i was always happy that they didn't give it to me but there are boundaries and there's consent and they're talking about i i understand and i'm not but the thing is though is like just because it is a pleasant experience just because you are happy doesn't mean you are not being exploited. If someone is giving you $20 an hour, $50 an hour, $100 an hour, and you in turn are giving them $1,000 an hour, $10,000 an hour, a million dollars, you know what I mean? There is an exploitation that is inherent there. Oh, if the sure. whole time you are, are just eating steaks and getting blowjobs, you are still being exploited. I, I mean, like, we're, the, we're exploitation is semantic here. But I earlier give me, give me that dickle. All well, right, here's the George. We need we need more whiskey. It, it's like a detente. Thank uh, like, you, it's like Shaff. it's when when I'm negotiating. It's like I feel like they've got a little bit over on me, and I've got a little bit over on them, and then we're both. Ha- it's like a happy compromise. I'm like that's the kind of thing you're lo- really looking for when you're when you're making these deals, like uh, without a doubt the people that I hire for labor don't understand that I'm also paying for the electricity there that I'm paying for these other tools that are there. Uh, I'm paying I'm literally toilet paper and razor blades and all this stuff. And they're not thinking about that. They don't need to think about that. Nor do they think about it, but I have to think about it. So are then you those, buying them razor blades in case they want to kill themselves. That's exactly why we have okay. them there. <laughs> there it's a, yeah. <laughs> but there's all these costs. And so you'd feel like you're being exploited because if I, if, if as a production company, I'm automatically taking 10% off the top, you'd be like, well, fuck you. What are you doing? And you're like, 
these things that you don't need to worry about. Like, I don't even want you to think about these things. Like, if people would honestly, if people were just more open and would talk about these things, like, like when I'm. When I'm buying art, for example, like I like I know that there's Don't a lot of fancy work. pants. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know, right? Like Wow, we're we're sitting here with the enemy right you now. You are a producer. We're uh, sitting here with the enemy. Uh, listen, like I brought the enemy on I, the I'm, episode. I, the, we were talking. <laughs> the best way I do it is like I I think you're charging more than what the value of that is, but I want you to make money off of it. I want you to feel like you make money off of it. I want you to make money off of it. But the thing is, though, is that you are selling someone a feeling of being equal. But it's all about. But you're not actually like literally everything is about a feeling. No, that's no, it's not. Yes, yes, it is. Everything within capitalism. There are no everything. No, everything is about only feelings. Like yeah, no, I agree with you 100. Whoa, whoa, I don't agree. with No, well then I think you're both wrong because we had this joke about it on set. We would be like, oh, now we got who? What feelings do we have to deal with today? Who's got a feeling today? Like there are ways to organize. Did you get enough? Do you need more? No, you're good. I'm going to have drink up, drink up. Yeah, thank you. Uh, there are ways to organize, be it a, a company that are not what we know. Like we are born into this system and we think it is the only natural thing. And it is a relatively new thing. And the idea that it is the only thing is insane. I mean, for example, in, in Spain, there is this company that's basically an entire fucking town that was founded shortly after World War II. Uh, and they, they grow and they can tomatoes. It's called the Madrigon Corporation. That's all they fucking do. They're, they're tomato freaks in Spain. And this entire company is employee-owned, but not in the way that you know a, a brewery is suddenly employee-owned. It's employee-owned where if you are hired, you are absolutely an owner. If the company makes money that year, everyone makes money. Years that it doesn't make that much money... Uh, you know, you're out. You're, 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 you have to tighten your belt. That everyone is on this ship, and it's not one person going down or one person rising to the fucking top. It's everybody. It is literally what I think the dream of socialism is, is people working together and sharing in the fruits of their labor. But because we are so used to this system that we think it's natural, that we think that we need to give people the feeling, but so that they will resent you regardless of how much you pay them regardless you can give them all of your money and make yourself poor you will still be resented because it is not an equal situation you know what i'm saying i mean it's never going to be an equal situation and i can give you an example of that because we definitely have done movies where uh everybody gets a portion of it like everybody gets some residuals of it but you're not gonna like as a producer and as a pa they're not going to get the same amount like yeah but here's the thing it doesn't try making a movie without a fucking pa I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, yeah, I, underst- but I understand what if you that. Made but it, movies it, with a PA and without a producer to keep everything together. Exactly. Like, it, 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 I didn't bring this up, but the factory I worked at it was an interesting thing because it was unionized, but the management actually owned all that. So all the white collar workers owned it. Part of employment for the white collar section was okay, you can buy in and you can start off with your pay, or it can be over time. However, it can also work for the factory workers. Like, when you get hired, you can either not participate in this, and we won't take money out, or you can take money out, and you'll get stock options, and you're part of the owner. It was one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. But you still needed the union because the people that didn't want to buy in, you need to protect them, right? And so it makes sense. And I will say, all the white-collar workers at one point did learn how to run all the presses and all the machineries, and I hear them constantly say, I hope they never go on strike because they never want to fucking do that. Yeah. Like, 
but also the the people I was working with were making so much, and it's an interesting, it's a weird place to be too. They all they did have dreams. A lot of them wanted to be musicians or film. Some of them were filmmakers, but they were making such a good wage that they were like, "I'm doing this. I'm supporting my family, and you know what? This is actually great." And there were so many of them like that. I yeah. mean, that's why I've been in public health for a while is because it's a consistent like i'm still doing writing and communications but it's been a consistent wage consistent health care and film criticism and you know writing about film there's not a lot of that and there's a lot of exploitation and so like that argument about how just working under capitalism, you're automatically being exploited. I totally agree with it. But I think when you're thinking about your day-to-day life and your day-to-day work, like I've worked for some companies who, and you know, I don't want to name any of them, but some of the smaller companies, like they can't afford to pay a lot, but they're so nice to work for. Yeah. And like people like Which is Cauldron why, and Death like I was Crocodile. Saying, the amount of money you are making does not equate like your exploitation. I mean, it may go to your misery levels, but just the fact that anyone is paying you a wage so that way you will in turn earn more money for them than they are paying you by definition is exploitation. Obviously, there are jobs that are way more miserable than others. And jobs that are, like, wonderful, you know? And I'm not saying that, like, I'm just saying that the system is based on exploitation, you know? Whether it, like, feels... It's a cynical way to... No, sure. it's, no, it's, no, 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 it's but, not cynical. It is but, but I the feel like part of reality. The... I mean, it, 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 it's, it sucks that, like... Maybe, but I'm definitely not going to ever work in the sewer system, so... Yeah, sure. But I mean, you'll probably yes, never you're, make you're that right. kind of money. Right. <laughs> they will make way much People more money than that. People in that union make way more money than I mean, any it's, of us ever I mean, it's the will. same thing with the idea of, like... But I'm, I'd be, even under socialism or communism, I'd be like, no, I'm not going to work a, there. As a municipal waste truck yes, goes I mean, by the window right now. I'm not trying <laughs> to, like, say... I'm not trying to be dictator guy and say this is the way things should be everywhere. I don't fucking know. I'm just commenting on the way things are here. But, as I've seen them. But, but I feel like the problem with this is these are essentially two different conversations. Conversation number one that you raised is this idea that working under capitalism is exploitation. Totally agree with yeah. that. But conversation number two is... How do we make this exploitation not hurt as much? How do we make it n- more dignified? No, 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 no. Conversation number two, which I think Charles and I were sort of leaning towards, is this idea that especially in creative fields, there are certain sacrifices required, like working on projects for free because you love them or because you want the training or because they're interesting. But when you go into it with this mindset, like I always have to work for free or I always have to work for less money, then you get into these situations where you're being exploited less in a big picture way and more in a literal yes yes in, way in that a, makes you feel terrible precisely like the, the what i was talking about was the invisible exploitation hand of the market that exists whereas there is a way to feel a literal boot on your neck in jobs in in certain places that are fucking awful like i've had jobs that are worse than other jobs you know for sure i mean they're not all just some equal thing because you know i'm a little socialist dickhead and it's all bad you know like well, it's, and, it's, and that's what trying... i that's what i meant by exploitation yes. is like companies who will say oh okay because 
this one asshole only charges $50 for a commentary. Why should we pay you any more? Or a company who says, like, er, in our last episode, I our full episode, I made a reference to being paid by the word for essays, which is something that used to happen with this company called Indicator. And it was amazing. It was, like, the best I've ever gotten paid for the amount of time I put into the work, which is how it should be. But then they got a new disc producer who came over from another company who was like, okay, now I'm going to start limiting your word count and not honoring agreements and replacing you with my college friends who don't have any writing experience. And like, when I think about exploitation, that's what I mean. Yes. It's like, and I, no, I'm not I, I supposed know. to be mad but about But what I'm situations. saying though, is that the reason why like, the, you have the nice boss, and then you have the bad boss. Well, bad bosses are why have you used in the first place. Precisely. But what I'm saying, though, is that even the nice bosses, by virtue of the fact that the system exists, like, they have the, like, in their hearts, they can choose to be a good boss, you know, and to, like, make things a little more fair. It's like a good cop, like a cop who won't beat the shit out of you. What? He just said there are no good cops. Okay, you can I, say that on this show. Yeah, That's I agree, which is what... So but, but, but what I'm I, I said though, there are that, no good cops. How but about what I'm that? saying is that the myth of the good cop is the myth of the good landlord, is the myth of the good slave owner, is the myth of the good owner. Yeah, I don't agree with this at all. I, I think you can start a business. So think about it this way. Like comparing cops and slave owners, sure. But I think you can start a business. Like think about Cauldron. You can start a business that you're putting your own money and time and passion and resources into and you're not making a ton of money and maybe you have people who work for you who you're they're not making as much money as you are. I think there are small businesses like I think yeah, there and, are situations where you can start a business without exploiting people and without being some sort of horror show boss. I I agree. But I don't think that the way to start that business is to have it be a hierarchical situation where someone is paid a wage like i know that's a radical thought and you guys both obviously disagree yeah, so we i i, can't, I, think, I can't picture a world where that exists i mean i can i can picture that world and i spent like years imagining it and it is a better world than this one it's a world where you are not exploited at the place where you are forced to go eight hours a day five days a week oh well i think it's there possible. should be i think there should be a universal wage so i i don't think people should have to go to work if they don't want to but but also a system where a brain surgeon is paid the same as the receptionist at the front desk is psychotic. Yes. Well, what happens when the receptionist at the front desk isn't there? But no, but I'm I'm saying to be to be but in the, certain but, but the positions, world where a brain surgeon makes a hundred thousand dollars a year, five hundred thousand like Sure, like that there they should have be caps. There should absolutely be caps. You know, I mean, like, yes, there are jobs that are in a way more important. Like, yes, the brain surgeon's more important it's, it's than the not, janitor, but what happens when the requires, janitor doesn't show up? Yeah, the hospital shuts down. It's just no, like it's there not is, that it's more important. It's, it's just it requires it requires more sacrifice on the part of the brain surgeon yeah, because you have to go there's, to school yeah, there's for 10 years. There, yeah, there's different kind of studies, there's different kind of things. And I also, I, 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 I actually believe that there are people that are very happy doing certain jobs because what they really care about is their family or their other things. And, and just living and, their yeah, lives. Yeah, living their lives. And that's like, 
if you want to make films, that's not the thing that you want to do. You're not like, <laughs> not like, hey, which, I want to live in the burbs and make families. Which is why I said there families. should be a universal wage. So. I'm, but I'm, I'm not. You're all riled up. I'm all riled. You got riled up by this. You did. I did. We, we, we should just go back to. Uh, we all I can say is I do the best, and that's why I get a lot. Again, why I get a lot of producer work. I do the best I can to make sure that people are getting fair wages and, and doing, the, getting paid for the work they do, and also understanding if, like, there's lots of projects where we again we we lose money and we put our own stuff in just to make sure that people are getting paid, and it's important. Uh, and I don't I don't think it's our responsibility at all, but I feel like we've taken on this thing and we want to work with these people. We want them to continue in this industry and we're building a thing and this is how you do it. Occasionally I lose money and that's okay. For a thing like Bruce's film, like if, when, if yeah. I attempt to do that, I, I will 100%, it would be like, how am I going to break this down? But everyone's going to get a share of this. If $100 comes in, everyone's going to get some of that. I, and I think that's definitely the model to go for, for the, these smaller films and for independent filmmaking. I think that you shouldn't just be like, hey, I paid you $50 as a PA, fuck you. It should be like, hey, you got $50 a day, so you could actually just buy some stuff. Like You could do your laundry. Uh, you could pay your rent. Yeah. And then like when I get into Sundance... That silence is there for a purpose, but um, I'll, I'll edit it. Applause, <laughs> for sure. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If and I'm gonna say when I do this movie, I I would honestly say that I'm probably not gonna make more residual than a PA on that one because that's how I want to do it and that's how I think it should be done. Uh, again, I'll probably have contractual barriers to other other people on that, but sure. uh, I, I I think that's the right thing to do. You're doing fine, and yes. everybody I mean, should get honestly, some money from this, that. This conversation is a lot more difficult because we are talking about creating art, and the ways that we monetize said art is very different from like traditional businesses that most people interact with in their lives. Like. Like the writer's strike, I think, is so fascinating because in a lot of ways it mirrors other major strikes that have happened, like the teacher strike in, I think it was Virginia, you know, four years ago or so. But it's just so public and so in, in your face or, or just like so obvious to everyone. Anyone who hasn't heard of it yet probably will very soon. You because know, so like many people watch television. Yes. It, Un unlike the 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 train strikes, which like. They tried to keep out of the media as much as possible, but like we literally can't get goods without trains running. So the fact that like the government would think it's okay to not give those people sick days. Yeah, it's crazy to it's, me. In fact, any any evil. any organization or any evil. industry that you don't want to give people sick days is it, it, it's just evil. And but the thing is though is like that is every industry that can get away with it for as long as they can get away with it yeah i, I mean it's it's you it's, need to have maternity leaves you need to have parental leave, you need to have all this stuff to have a functioning you, society but here's the thing can you imagine if every single business was structured in a way that every single person who worked there was on the board of directors every single person who worked there you know what they would decide to do with the money that the business generated they would give themselves maternity pay they would vote to give themselves all sure, of these benefits but they would also understand some of the other costs they'd be like oh shit yes, I, I never thought about all like i've got to repair the carpet i never thought about like all this other and, shit and i had that, to pay for that is so important and i think that is one of the really big problems especially in this country is like people don't ever want to talk about money like yeah. when I went into film criticism, I didn't know how much anyone made, which allowed me to be further exploited. Yes. I mean, like that is the the alienation that we feel from 
our labor. We don't see the actual fruits of it. I agree. Also, uh, luckily, I, I want to say, luckily, I'm uh, people trust me enough as a producer that they will. Con- con- it's almost weekly at this point where people are like, "Hey, I want to do this job, and this is what they're going to pay. What should I be paid?" And then I say. I, I give them a, like a kind of tier thing. I say, if you're newer at this thing, this is kind of what I would pay. If this is it, it, now, if you're a college professor who does it ten times, like you should be paid seventy-five to hundred dollars an hour. If you're brand new, if you're out of college doing the same thing, I don't know. If you get away twenty-five dollars an hour, you should be you're going to be exploited, but you're not. Like that's good. Like get that to forty dollars an hour, and that's what you should be paid. Uh, and, and 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 you know what? It usually works out in their favor because they'll they'll be like. $45, and then they'll be like, 35 40 you know, uh, you know how negotiating yeah. goes. But people, luckily, Monopoly. people do trust me enough in that that I am consistently asked about it, and, and I'm very honest and open about it. I'm like, this is what I, on this budget kind of, this is what I have to pay, and this is why I have to pay it. Yeah, like, no, I, I can't I, get out of, again, I was telling you just a minute ago, I can't, like, I can't get out a, a lumber cost, but I can cut my labor cost in half. Like, yeah, honestly, when the revolution does come, it's gonna truly break my heart to put you against the wall. I'm and not. Shoot I'm you. not upset about <laughs> it. I mean, I'm gonna be devastated. I'm gonna be like I'm that crying baby in the meme, holding the gun with his hand on his head. You know, I'm, I'm not upset. I'm not upset about it. Like, they'll be like. They'll be, they'll be like oh, he was one of the good ones. He was. He really was. We'll you pull know, one out. We, it won't be an unmarked grave for that one. No, 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 no. no. We'll put your full name in there. Yeah, I appreciate that. That I, that I appreciate. All right. What's, hey, your, what's, hey, what's your? What's hey, your... wait. You remember when you said we were gonna have fun? We were drinking instead of having a serious conversation. I'm sorry. That's usually what we do. Wait. Okay. We usually wait. have fun on the fucking half. You're such a I'm sorry. I didn't know. Yeah, this is all your fault. I'm sorry. Uh, wait. So I'm gonna ask a fun question. So. Apparently we hate fun. We no. Do, we do hate it's fun. It's the happy hour. We're having a good time. So. Here. When you went to film school, you got to work with Peter Medak. Yeah, in grad school, uh, he was my. Uh, I had two. Um, what are they? Mentors. So one year I had John Badham, who did Saturday Night Fever and War Games, and one year I had Peter Medak. Did one of my favorite films. The Ruling Class was one. Of, even before I ever met him, I'd seen the Criterion and the put best it out. And I, movies ever. You know, and I loved. The ruling class. I love. I still think he about also it. Did Romeo's Bleeding? Romeo's right? Bleeding. Which is one of my yeah. favorite. Oh, like, I've been. I want to see that so. It's so good. I, I like. For some reason, I thought it wasn't going to be good. And then the more I've heard about it, and like the last like decade, it's like, oh my god, I can't believe I slept on this movie for so long. Gary Oldman. I really wish he had gotten more directing. Mm. Cause he's he was Who's a fantastic. Who's this guy? Who are we Peter talking Peter Medak. He's Hungarian. Hungarian. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally came out of that European era of like uh, Polanski and all that stuff. And he was like your guy when you he went to film school? He was my mentor in film school. What yeah. was he like? Uh... <laughs> Did he? So my was he a fucking cunt? Was he no, like a no, 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 none of those guys were. Both of them were totally sincere and helpful, and they, they, it was. It's interesting because in in a way, and I definitely take my teaching from them. Like, there's humility there. They're like, okay, we're on the downside of our career, but we want you to be successful, and we're going to tell you all the fucked up shit that happens. You don't do it, and then you'll be better for it. And that's how they 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 did this. Um, Badham has written two books on directing now, and he, when I took him, he had just started writing the first one, and he'd bring in chapters that he That's like awesome. and try to be like, "Is this working? What do you think?" And it was really a fantastic experience for me. But I learned from them. I it really did help me learn to be human, you know, to be like understand feelings and like work with people. I became a better director. I became a better employer. I became a lot of better things from them from this. Uh, but also, uh, 
you know, as a what was I, twenty two when I, I, you know, you're you're a little shithead when you're you're that, especially when I was. You're still a little shithead. I bet you were terrible when you were. But like the level of a shithead, it's oh my god, uh, when you're twenty two, you're the worst. My my friend Rob, we had this directing thing in my for Peter Peter Medic specifically. He came in and Rob, Rob was like. Well, fuck this guy. I don't know what he's done. I'm, I wrote this thing about us fucking a chicken. Like, let's uh, let's 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 see let's see how he does. Like, when we do this funny thing about people fucking chickens, we we do the script in front of him. Peter Medicus, this is not funny. I know you're trying to make this funny. It's not funny. And we're like, oh shit, we finally pissed this guy off. Like, we've pushed the boundaries of being dickheads <laughs> yes. as far you as have, we could possibly. We've crossed the line. Sullied any good taste. Yeah, and like, and this is it. This is our out. We're we're total assholes. We've pushed it. And then he goes, this is how you make it funny. <laughs> and then he goes, he grabs the script, goes through the entire routine. And it's like, didn't even think twice about like the actual, how bad the material was, or that we were in yeah. fact trying to insult everybody there because we were arrogant pricks in yeah. film school. 22 year old. Yeah, 22, thinking that it was, why wouldn't we be directors? God, we're God's gift to man. Of course we should be directors. There's still a lot of film people I deal with. Sure. And that was it. That was it. That was the humbling time where I was like, holy shit, this guy really just really wants to help us. And he's really sincere about it. And he actually is making this funny. This thing that's not funny, he's making really funny. I mean, yeah. after the ruling class. So the ruling class you have to see, it's it's very, it's like Peter O'Toole plays this aristocrat, this upper class English royalty descended dude who loses his mind and thinks he's jack the ripper and oh yeah it starts off he's a hippie uh so it starts off with uh autoerotic asphyxiation yeah Ooh, uh, i love that stuff very first oh, scene my fucking God, and then like hey p.s you're the kid so now you're the you're now you're part of the uh house of lords and he's like thinks he's uh jesus christ and, oh yeah that part's the best yeah and so he's like this totally hippie thing and they're like oh we gotta fix him uh, so they bring in another guy that's kind of crazy that's like, I will zap you. And they do it. And then he becomes Jack the Ripper. And, and they're so it's, like, okay, it's great this social is fine. commentary. Yeah, it was great. It's fine. It's a little it's, house of lords. Who cares? It's, yeah, it's very. P.S. There's also comedy. a musical number in the middle of it. Ooh, I love a movie with a musical <laughs> it's, number. It's very, like Britannia Hospital, it's very sort of class warfare yeah. as black comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally black comedy, total class warfare. Um, but back to Peter Medic. Uh, he's a incredible human a fantastic director and totally understands how to work with actors how to how to break down and rework scripts uh, it's it's kind of he's made like species two you know like oh my god i grew up with the species two poster in my bedroom yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, it was a 3D poster. They, like those, awesome. they I've heard are actually. About this poster. Yeah. Anyway, he's. He, I think he's fantastic. I got others. I probably have other stories, but that was the main one where we were like, we did it a couple times uh, early on, um, when we were arrogant. But I, it was that would that was definitely the moment where us like I should be serious about this. This yeah. guy is serious about this. Like- These are things to be. We can really talk. We can really make a difference in making film if we look about how we look at things. Even, even, even like subtle, stupid jokes that would be basically South Park jokes. If we really analyze them and look at them in ways that uh, thoughtfully affect people's thinking, uh, then they have a purpose. And like he did, he did that for this chicken fucker joke. This fucking thing that this Rob. I was like. Whatever you know, I I I'm up for adventure, so I'm like Rob. Whatever, I don't care. Like, and I was like, oh Rob, we fucked up. We totally are fuck up. So we gotta like, and then we did. We changed our thought. We we really thought about like our comedy now is like 
how do we make these the best jokes we can be and thoughtfully affect the way people are thinking about them? And, and, and even yeah. even something as dumb as neighbor, it, it, it was like, if I'm going to do genital mutation, uh, mutilation, how do I make it the most effective, the most thought-provoking thing possible without really truly making it, I could have done it for exploitation's sake, for exploitation's sake. But it was like, how do we make it more than what it is and get these things? And it was because of the way that Peter Medic thinks. He took us... I think any normal person would have been like, fuck you, Charles. And that was the proper reaction. That was what he should have done. But he didn't. Because he know? was a good teacher. A good human, a great director, and a yeah, and, and like a, a phenomenal teacher. That is what they do. It, like I, being in film school is like kind of painful because you get so many bad ideas, so many bad, like truly bad ideas. And he took every single one of them seriously and was like I understand what you're doing. Let's talk about it. I'm going to make this better. And that's how I approach everything at this point. Yeah, I think it's so important for any budding filmmaker, because obviously you, you do need to be a bit of an egomaniac to think that you can command an army of a crew and just churn out a good movie. And it's, it is important, but you need to suffer an ego death. Oh, you need for sure. To suffer... An understanding of the fact that you are a little piece of shit. Yeah, I and think... And your ideas suck, and you're no good. And that way, you actually have this real push to try. I think rejection is a huge thing, and I think I think everyone has to do it. I don't... That's not how... I, when I teach, that's not how I do it. I don't mean, like, um, abuse fucking people, uh, but like, I'm saying... I usually say... I, I, I do the Peter Matt thing. I see what you're trying to do, and let's make it better. Like, like that's my approach. But I definitely think there's a, a, a good thing for rejection. Like, even to the point of when we were in film school here at Drexel, so we took this class, and they were like, you have to make these six-foot paintings, right? And And... And then the guy literally came in with a box cutter and an exacto knife and looked at it and he would cut your fucking painting that you spent a week Whoa. on doing. He would cut it out and be like, that's what your painting should have been. This little square should have been the whole painting. And I'm gonna tell you why, and this is it. So you did have this like ego death. Like you were like, I thought it was I actually thought it was good. I I, sp I literally spent all this time on it. I thought about all the parameters, I thought about all the history of art behind this particular thing, and then he just destroyed it. And at the to be honest, he wasn't wrong. The way the way he went about it, in my in my in my opinion, yes, in 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 the way he went about it is wrong, and that's why I don't I don't I don't act like that professionally, and I don't act like that as a teacher. Yeah. Or but but I you think, learned a lesson from this I think, fucking yes, piece I think, of shit. I think you need a arrogance to create oh, I things. Fucking hate those. And, but I also think you need lots of rejection. I, you know, we only live once, so like, man, it's like. You should, if you want to create something, you just got to create something. If you want to ask somebody out, just fucking ask them out. If you want to like go to your, just fucking go to your, you got to just do these things. Like, yeah. Is your story of, of having your art cut by some fucking psychopath who then did actually in doing that instill some great lesson in you reminded me completely of the biggest fucking piece of shit <laughs> boss I ever had. I was working at a movie theater, believe it or not. And I was sweeping the floor, you know, I'm being a good employee, I'm sweeping the floor. And the, the general manager comes down, this fucking piece of shit, I forget her name, and it's so glad that she's gone from my mind in that way. And she says, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm sweeping the floor. I'm trying to be employee of the month over here. I'm the happiest kid in the world. I'm 16. Everything's great. And she says, 
Why are you sweeping the floor? Look at this. And she drags her arm across the fucking countertop and spills popcorn and bullshit all over the floor that I just swept. She's like, you need to do the counters first. All this shit's going to go on the ground. What are you doing? And like, I was like, (laughs) you fucking, you just ruined my work. But the thing is, is now she's not wrong. She's not wrong. Now I know. Oh, this is how you clean a room. So she was making me into a perfect little cleaner. Sure. But there was a I found I I found there's a better way to do that. that. It's like like the way that he cut the way that he cut. Yeah. The way that he cut the thing, he could have just been like, let me this is why and this is how. And let me tell you. Yeah, he could have used that like white marking. Yeah, he could have put tape on it, yes. like whatever. However, he did. So that's how I do it. And I got to tell you, I, I've got so much better performances out of from actors. I've got better perf- performances from employees. I've gotten, I, I've gotten so many students that work, uh, which I do sometimes get yelled at too. By the way, which is funny because there's a whole uh, in academia, there's a whole thing about uh, keeping uh, retention in school systems. Uh, for money purposes. Oh, by keeping your students in fucking film school as yeah. opposed to being like, oh, hey, I got you a and job. I, I literally was which like, is why you're I was in like, film I thought school. they were supposed to get jobs. And they're like, no, we need retention. I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll take them when they're done. I don't know what the fuck to tell you, dude. Yeah, that's some <laughs> But anyway, so like, I was once shown disrespect, so I'm going to show you the, the respect that you deserve for your ideas, although they need work. I'm not going to throw your popcorn on the ground and i'm not going to cut your script and i'm not going to rip it up in front of you i'm going to say i don't think i I really under i understand what you're trying to do i don't think it works here is why let's talk about it and make it better and like not not all my ideas are good and not all my ideas are you're going to use but it's going to make you think uh to perfect it to make it better and uh, and consistently that's how it's worked even with especially with actors but even with my students like uh, we've gotten them so, I, and I. This is where your arrogance can come in, and, and where I and I kind of get upset about it. Like when I bring in former students, co now coworkers, they get picked up by other producers, and I'm like, stop taking my people. <laughs> and they're like, well, I got a bigger project. I'm paying them fifty dollars more a day, and I'm like, I can't do that right now. Why stop taking them from me? <laughs> but that's also a good sign. That's a good sign for them. And that's also a good sign for you. That means you're doing, it means you're doing the best you possibly can for people. And even though sure, you're not, you can't pay them the best, but they are going on. there. All own. right. You know what? You're not getting the wall, Charles. <laughs> you're free. You're, you're, we're not going to line you up. You can have a you. couple fingers. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the fucking happy hour. Wow, I thought I thought it was gonna be all like comedy shit. I I, I like I was practicing jokes in my 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 mirror, being like, I think Charles and Sam will think these jokes are funny for the happy. All right, all right, give us a no, joke. No, 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 no. What's your fucking joke? No, no, I love I love to you close liar. an episode. My favorite way to close is on a joke. We close I on a joke every jerks. time. I'm so Wait. unfunny. Come on. No, Come I, on, I, chicken fucker. What do you got? Funny person. I'm gonna life. I'm gonna save you and say that anyone who has made it to this far of the end of this happy hour should go on my Instagram and see the 
sword fighting fireworks <laughs> battle between Charles and oh, Charles. Oh my gosh, me and Charles. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh my gosh, me and Charles on on New Year's Eve, we had these like fucking swords, what? flaming swords, flaming swords, <laughs> and we had a duel, and we're like fighting with these swords, and it's pretty intense. There's like fucking yo, I've shown sparks. so many people footage and, of that, and they're like, "You're crazy, you guys are crazy." What and, are you and doing? And what's like, nuts is like halfway through, because we were like fucking going at it. My sword breaks and this like fucking like little flaming like it looks like a stick of dynamite with like you know <laughs> shooting sparks in the air and I realized like that's the you know the flaming essence of the sword and I pick it up and just start stabbing him with it <laughs> it was crazy he's like beating me in the head great stuff people great still stuff. talk to me about that they're like you you and your friends are the most insane people I saw the footage of New oh Year's we lit everything on fire you had tennis balls on fire bouncing around everywhere What's crazy you were in a sword like, fight and, and you it were like, doing it looks karaoke like it, yeah. you were doing karaoke on roller skates that's also I, like <laughs> people keep going to me like when are you doing karaoke and I was like I keep my roller skates in my car anytime you want to do it I'll do it yeah like what's funny is that I feel like we've probably calmed down a lot in our golden years here yeah you know? yeah I mean I'm also like, for my students, I'm also like, why aren't you having flaming sword fights and why aren't you doing karaoke yeah. on roller skates? What are you doing? They're like, oh man, I'm watching, I'm like, I'm watching Psych and Smoking Weed. Oh wow. <laughs> you're supposed to do that when you're I, an old I'm piece like, of shit. Don't you, waste I was your like, you got a medical card and now you're like, trust me, you want to do the things that we're doing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, switch like, that to doing like, fucking real grown up drugs and going out in the fucking world. Yeah, and lighting know? shit on fire. All right, see you later, everybody. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. I Have me again Charles. sometime. You're the coolest guy in the world. And you all are way cooler than I am. Bye. Okay, bye.